Aloha. We're glad you've joined us for this Reunion Hawaii Church podcast. These teachings by our pastoral team are recorded live during our weekly services in Honolulu, Hawaii. We hope you will be blessed by this teaching. I'm excited. I told you guys a while back, this is the first time the Lord's ever given me uh, ahead of time a three-part sermon. Usually I just have too much to say and it bleeds over into other talks, but this one he's actually said like, no, we're going to walk through this. It's for the church. This is Who's the church? Exactly. So this is for you. This is for reunion. This is for our family. This is for the church. And the whole purpose of this is we need to map out the next 10, 20, 30 years. And without vision, the people perish or become unrestrained. And you know, I love you guys. I don't want you to perish. I don't want you feeling unrestrained. So a few weeks ago, when we had Transition Sunday with Gary and I, I talked about seeing the target and just how to identify these God targets. Then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about aiming at that target. Once you see it, it's meaningless unless you start to turn towards it, right? Like you can see it as you walk past it, but we don't want to walk past things. Well, tonight is part three, and we're going to talk about hitting the target. It's great to see it. It's better to aim at it, but it's best when you actually hit it. And over and over and over, we're going to be talking about God targets because God targets are very different from man targets. And at the end of the talk, we're going to do some fun stuff that's going to be kind of the launch for the rest of this year with some things. So uh, starting tonight, we're going to move into some church-wide prayer and fasting points. And I know a few weeks ago, I gave everybody um, some ideas, some things that the Lord had spoken over us as a church promises. And I tried to be very clear that none of those things were the goal. These were just things that the Lord says, hey, these are coming um, as you pursue the one thing. And it's something that we actually get to co-labor with him on. But again, those are not the point. And I'm excited about that. And a lot of people ask for those. We put those up on social media. If you don't, um, if you're not praying for them, I would ask like, go get them. They're all on our Instagram page. Um, But the point just keeps coming back up that we cannot be church for you. I I can't be the church for you. Gary can't be the church. Tori, Pablo, none of us can be the church for you. You are the church. You've told me over and over and over with terrible grammar every week that you is the church. And it is funny, but it's also true. And if it's true, then we we have to actually move towards that. You listen to, listen to my inflection. You get to be the church. You get to. It's actually an honor and a privilege to get married to him, right? Because you're his beloved, you're his bride, and you get to co-labor with him. And so tonight, well, starting tonight, we want to start to set some opportunities in front of you to co-labor with him. I cannot co-labor for in your place. I, I have a call in my life to co-labor with him, but also you do. And the more that we do this individually, then corporately we get to go along with him. So we're going to give you opportunity for you to take ownership and for you to be the church. We'll give you some practical tools and go after some corporate and personal God targets. So we're going to talk about hitting the target tonight. And as we go trailblazing into the future, we can't have faith once and expect results. 
It doesn't work like that, and we're going to talk about that. So whether we're seeing the target, aiming at the target, or hitting the target, the biggest obstacle that so many of us face is that we often refuse to work progressively toward the target. We'll see it and get excited, and then for 50 years, we're just excited, but it never gets any closer. I don't want that. That's not of interest to me. Um, God almost always works by us progressively working towards a target. And let me, let me say that again because you're listening to the wrong words. God almost always works by us working, co-laboring with him towards the target. And one of the things that I've had to really just, you know, you have to ask yourself these things. Um, we cannot be too prideful for small things. We cannot be too prideful to start small. So let me give you an example. Um, someone might say, hey, by the end of this year, by the end of 2022, I want to lose 10 pounds. And so they, they decide that they're going to do it. They can envision themselves being skinnier. They, they buy pants and shirts that are size too small for them now in faith that they're going to lose 10 pounds by the end of the year. And all year long, they see this target. They look at the pants every day. They even try them on just to remind themselves like, ah, these are too small, but I'm going to get there. And then at the end of the year, on December 31st, they decide to put in a brutal four-hour workout. And just, they just decide, I'm, I'm saving it all for the end. I'm going to just burn all the calories. Okay? So after this brutal four-hour workout, they go to sleep, and the next day is January 1st, the day that they were going to lose 10 pounds by. Have they lost 10 pounds? No. Are they any more fit than they were when they started the year, right? And, and people take this attitude, and they say, yeah, but a four-hour workout is way more effective than like a 15-minute workout. And that's true, but if you have 365 15-minute workouts, that goes way more, it's way more effective than one brutal four-hour workout. And my point is that a single workout has almost no impact on your goal. It almost has no impact on the target that you're aiming for of losing 10 pounds or being in shape. However, a lifestyle change has a massive impact on you hitting that God target. So this is how faith works. Uh, first the natural, then the spiritual. The spiritual is the greater reality, and this is why God has set up the natural so that everything we do is actually pointing to a greater supernatural truth. I've known way too many people who have said things. They've painted me their God target, their God target, and they'll point to it for 5, 10, 15, 20 years and never hit it, and it'll be things like, God has told me to run a kingdom business and impact the business community. And yet they won't take a business class and they won't read a book on how to start a 501c3 or whatever. Or people say like, you know, God wants me to get married and have a healthy family, but they won't read a book on how to be a good spouse. And they won't read a, you know, list, go find some grandmas and grandpas and ask them like, how did you have a healthy family? They just wait for it to happen. Or people say, I, and these are all examples, these are real world examples, I'll name names when I'm done, just kidding. But people say, I wanna run a million dollar nonprofit and give all the proceeds to the poor and the hurting, and yet they won't stop spending the few pennies they do have on Netflix and Starbucks lattes. Now listen, 
Netflix is, uh, I'm not, I won't say it's great, but I, I enjoy me some Netflix sometimes, okay? And Starbucks, I'm not going to say they're great, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll indulge. But when people have these God targets and they refuse to do anything about them except stare at them, all that tells me is that they refuse to steward vision. They refuse to steward gifts from the Lord. Because if God calls you to do something, he actually equips you to do that same thing. Okay, so listen, almost everybody has dreams. Dreaming with God, I hate to tell you, dreaming with God is not that special. Uh, seeing the target is actually the easiest step. And I would venture to say that almost all humanity can actually see God targets for their lives. Seeing the target is probably the most important, but it is the easiest. Hitting the target is where we start to see that it's actually kind of a lonely road <laughs> the further you go down it. How come so many people don't reach these God targets? If God wants it to happen, how come it's not happening? And I think a big part of that is people don't really understand the nature of God and they don't understand the nature of his kingdom. We spent a good portion of last year talking about how our culture at Reunion will not be Reunion culture. It will not be Hawaii culture. It will not be United States culture. There's, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But everything, first and foremost, will be a kingdom culture. And any part of my personal culture that runs counter to the kingdom, that has to get set aside. The kingdom wins in mindsets, in heartbeats. And, and so how come they don't reach the target? Well, people misunderstand God and think, oh, he, he has a dream for me. And, you know, we, we see the dream and we think God's sitting up on his throne saying, wow, good, well done, good and faithful servant. You saw the God dream. Congratulations. Here you go. Here's all the answers. Here's the target that you're aiming at. Not realizing that God is sitting up there saying, wow, good job, my, you know, my faithful servant. You saw the dream. Now, will you come co-labor with me as we move towards it? That's the nature of the kingdom. We're going to talk a lot about that. Biblically speaking, does anybody know what kind of tree that uh, God refers to believers as the most? What, what kind of tree does he usually refer to us as? Shout it out. Olive, fig, oh, oh here we go. Oak trees. Hey. Oak trees. Did you know that you're actually an oak of righteousness? Did you know that you're a planting of the Lord? What do oak trees produce? Acorns. What do acorns have the capability to produce? Incorrect. They actually have the capability of producing forests of oak trees. Okay? And there's a difference. One acorn does not equal one oak tree. One acorn, if you give it time, eventually will lead to millions of oak trees if you walk that far down the road. Does that make sense? One acorn leads to millions of oak trees. And the point today is that today's acorns are tomorrow's forests. And there are generations longing for us down the line. They're longing for us to step into our calling today. They're longing for you and me to actually take part in co-laboring with the Lord on the promises that he's already given us. The Lord will guide us 
with promises and targets. That's how he guides us. He gives us promises. He gives us, he gives us targets. But he partners with us by co-laboring. You won't get there without the co-laboring, right? And co-laboring isn't hard to understand, uh, but it doesn't mean that everyone will embrace it. Think about this. You are the sum total of your life. Every decision you've ever made is, has led up to you sitting in the seat right here. Your, your personality, the things you like, the things you don't like. Your, the sum of your days is what your life looks like. If you add up every day you've ever lived, it's, it's you. You are also the sum total of your faith. Show me your life and I will tell you your beliefs, right? I can look at your life and this isn't because the Lord's whispering in my ear. This is just like you, you can tell a fruit by it or a tree by its fruit. I can tell what you believe about yourself, about others and about God based on your life. You are actually walking out your doctrine and theology. Life is not composed of big moments. There are a few, but the vast majority of your time are very small moments, and a whole lot of them. Your life is not actually composed of years. It's composed of minutes and hours. That means when you get to the end of it, how you spend every minute is what you have to call your life. And how you spend every hour is what you have to call your life. That's kind of a sobering thought to me. And what I've seen is that a lot of people are willing to co-labor with the Lord for a short season if there's an immediate result or an immediate payout. And people will come, never mind, I'll say that later. Few people are willing to co-labor and work for a lifetime when there aren't immediate results and immediate rewards. And yet I'm telling you, the second option is way better. The fruit that comes from that far outweighs the immediate fruit that we refuse to work for. Let me rephrase it like this. Stewardship of the God targets on your life is not made up of huge, giant, big commitments and yeses. It's actually made up of small ones. We, we get in this mindset of thinking, God needs these big yeses. I'll do anything, God. I will move to Africa tomorrow. And yet we won't steward our finances. And yet we won't steward our mar marriages. And yet we won't steward the church family that we go and see every single week. Why would he give you Africa if you can't pay your phone bill? It, it's so ridiculous when we put it into those terms, but it becomes very clear. Think about... The, the idea that water can actually break a stone, like dripping water can actually crack a stone, right? We've all heard of that. And a single drop of water or even a single outpouring of water won't actually crack the rock. You can put a, a drop of water on a rock and it won't crack or you could pour a bucket full, like an outpouring, and it won't break the rock. But decades of drops will break the rock. And eventually... One single drop will be the drop that cracks that rock in half, but without the 10 billion little drops before it, it, it would have had almost no impact. That's how the kingdom works a lot of times. And people say like, how come God won't do this huge thing for me? Well, he would if you would steward the hundreds of tiny opportunities that he gives you every day of your life. Listen to me, all the promises of God are yes and amen. 
he doesn't give you one ginormous yes that he's wanting you to commit to. He actually gives you hundreds, if not thousands of little ones every day of your life. And a hundred little yeses far outweigh one ginormous, like, yes, God, I'll do anything. And then you go back to literally working against the target that he's put on your life. I think that God is constantly saying yes over the promises of our lives. And he's giving us acorn after acorn to plant in the ground. And we keep saying like, nope, that's not an oak tree. Nope, that's not an oak tree. God, give me an oak tree. These are acorns. Give me an oak tree. People say, I'd never say no to God. I'd never say no to that vision. Well, maybe not to his face, but your actions are saying no. Like that's something we don't understand. Talk is cheap. And if you're, if you're not moving towards your target, there's probably a reason. And it's probably not God. All of God's promises are yes and amen. But here's the thing. God is real generous with giving targets. He loves giving us targets. He loves giving us promises. Does anybody know how many promises God gives us in scripture? Shout it out. I, I don't know. I'm just hoping someone's like 373,000. He gives a whole lot of promises. Like promise after promise after promise. And he loves giving us targets. But listen, he won't do the work for you. In fact, lots of people never actually receive the promise because they refuse to co-labor with him. This doesn't make any sense to me. And yet this is how the kingdom works. This is how God works. Biblically speaking, we will often despise the day of small beginnings because it doesn't look like the big target yet. And I would say that big targets are usually only hit when we steward small, small targets really well. You guys okay? All right. I'm not giving you a spanking. Just a little razzle-dazzle before we bring this thing into a... Listen, I'm telling you, God mostly gives you acorns. Stop hoping for an oak tree. Like, he's actually saying, like, oh, I am giving you an oak tree. I'm actually giving you millions of oak trees if you would just steward this acorn. Like, it's in there. It's, it's in the promise. It, it, like, it's in the acorn. I heard this quote once, and I've kind of made it my own. You ever, it's like, I don't know who said that. I guess I'm saying it now. <laughs> Whether you're working for love or from love, there's still work involved. The kingdom of God is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. You cannot earn his love. You cannot earn his promises. You cannot earn his favor. But you will exert effort in the kingdom. Um, and, and I had this thought. Listen to me. If you're a note taker, write this down and go home every single day and chew on it until you start getting some meat from it. Doing your work is prophetic. Doing your work is prophetic. Doing your work and taking the steps toward the target is literally you saying, God, I believe that you're sending me on this mission or I believe that that promise is for me. You taking steps is prophetic. You taking steps is your amen to his yes. And our God is a God of stewardship. He absolutely pays attention to what's in your current possession. And we think that we, we're waiting on the oak tree because I'll take care of an oak tree, but this little acorn, I don't need that. I just need the oak tree. And he's saying like, you're literally telling me no by not stewarding that small thing, the day of small beginnings. God rarely looks at the target. He looks at your heart and he's really good at seeing what's in there. 
This is to me where, unfortunately, a lot of people lose hope. They stop taking steps. They, they kind of plant their feet and their target, their God targets become fantasy. And it's here. It's the gap between the, pro- the, the, gap between the promise and the provision. That's the hard part. The promise, oh man, everyone wants promises. That's easy. Seeing the target, that's easy. But it's the waiting that will test you. Amen. <laughs> waiting when the thought isn't fun anymore, when the excitement has left. Waiting and taking steps when you can't see the prize and the reward anymore, when there's no target in sight. I want to tell you a little story. I'm not making it up, it's in the Bible. It's the story of Abraham and his two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. And a lot of you know this story. Um, God came to Abraham, who at the time was named Abram. And God comes and, and gives Abram a new name. And we talk a lot about this in Kingdom Living. Names are important. When God gives you a new name, he actually reassigns your identity. It's a promise and an identity statement. So he comes to Abraham, uh, Abram and he says, your new name is Abraham. Abraham means father of many. And God calls Abraham father of many before he was father of any. And so this isn't just like God hoping this happens. This is God saying, this is a promise to you, Abraham. Your new identity is father to many. And I think there's a lot of us in this room who can relate because we feel like God is calling us to something that is not yet but he's saying it as if it were. I'm usually guilty of putting things off for the future, like, oh, it'll come another day, when he's saying like, no, it's already already true. I've already made it happen. You just actually have to step into it, right? Uh, This is not where I wanted to go, but I kind of feel like the Lord is on this. Um, By his stripes, you are healed. That's what Isaiah tells us, or Peter says, by your stripes, you have been healed. Well, if I'm sitting at home with a sickness and I read that verse, by his stripes I have been healed, there's actually a greater truth than my current situation that I have the opportunity to step into, okay? This is the tension between the promise and reaching the target. So I think there's probably people in this room who are burning for things that they don't understand and things that God is saying like, this is actually who you are. This is your identity. This is your new nature. And you look around thinking, well, that doesn't look like my nature and that doesn't look like my current situation. So I don't know if you guys know the story. We're not going to read the whole, we're not going to read any of it straight from the Bible because it's pretty long, but I'll give you the overview. Abraham actually saw the target. God came to him and said, you're going to be the father of nations, the father of many. So Abraham suddenly sees the target. I'm going to be the father of many. And yet, if you know the story, you know that Abraham actually missed the target, Um, at least initially. What happened is Abraham decided to help God. And listen, Abraham's body was old. His wife was old. They were beyond the point of childbearing, the Bible says. And they weren't, their, their bodies weren't dead, but their childbearing years were dead. And so Abraham looks at his situation, and instead of moving in trust, what does he do? He decides to try to help God. 
Did you know that helping God is the dumbest thing you can ever do? Um, so what, what Abraham does, he, said, well, you know, he goes to Sarah, they're discussing it, and Sarah's like, well, why don't you sleep with this maidservant? Abraham's like, all right, if you say so. And so Abraham sleeps with Hagar, and they have a son named Ishmael. Now, God had promised that Abraham would be the father of many, but he said it would come through his wife, Sarah. Abraham looked at the situation, saw that Sarah's womb was dead. He said, well, maybe God messed up or, you know, I'll just help him out a little bit. And so he goes to Hagar and they have Ishmael. I guess my point is that Abraham felt really compelled to make it happen. When things looked bleak, it's actually pride that says, well, I guess God's not going to do it. I better do it on my own. And he tried to help God. We say this all the time. God is so good at his job and he needs far less help than we think he does. And anytime we think we have to help God, it's pride. That's literally what it is. When it comes to God targets, we are not interested in creating Ishmael's. We only want to create Isaac's. So Ishmael was not God's original plan. It was not his original way. Um, And listen, we've probably all produced Ishmael's where we feel like, hey, I'm supposed to do this thing. And instead of waiting on the Lord or listening to the Lord or seeing whatever target he wants, we just like get shot out of a cannon and go and suddenly find ourselves in it up to here with trouble and misery and whatever. And it's because we tried to make our own way. We tried to help God do something that he actually promised. If God promised something, will he do it? Yes. Does he need your help to do it? No. Are you going to stop trying to help God? Yes. Okay. But here's the thing I want to tell you about Ishmael's. Ishmael's actually come from a good heart. It's a misguided heart, but it's a good heart. Ishmael's, let me rephrase this. When, When God came and told Abraham about this promise, he knew it was good. And he was so desperate to actually see the thing from the Lord happen that he just figured, I have to do this on my own. He was actually wanting God's plan and God's promise. Making Ishmael was not Abraham going, Oh, I hate God. He's so slow. I'm just going to do this on my own. It was actually him trying to get God's plan to come to pass. It was just a really misguided way of doing it. And and I guess what I'm saying is Ishmael does not come. Ishmael's in our lives do not come from overt rebellion toward God. And that's why it's so risky because we think we're doing a good thing. We think that we're just like, you know what? God isn't opening this door. I'm just going to kick it open real quick. I'm just going to bang it down. Ishmael's come from seeing a God target, but just not understanding the process. The target was very clear with Abraham, father of many, meaning lots of kids, meaning you're going to have to help me out, Abraham, to start producing children with your wife. So he saw the target. It was clear and it was defined. And I think that, at least in my mind, Abraham just wanted to please God. He was impatient, but he just wanted to please God. He just wanted that promise. Here's the flip side of that story. Isaac. Isaacs are born out of obedience. Isaacs are born out of trust. It's that idea of hope against hope. It was in hope against hope that Abraham believed in. It was counted to him as righteousness. 
In other words, when things seem hopeless, Abraham still chose to move in hope, and it was rewarded to him as righteousness. Here's the heartbreaker about Ishmael's. Abraham raised Ishmael for somewhere between 13 and 14 years before the actual promise came to pass. Ishmael was about 14 years old before Isaac was born. Do you understand? For 13 years before Isaac was born, the actual promise, right? Isaac was the actual promise. That was actually God's plan. For 13 or 14 years, Abraham thought Ishmael was the promise. And I want you to think about the time, the effort, the pouring out, the investing that Abraham did with Ishmael. This was his son. This was the only son. This was his only son after being, you know, barren for however many years it was, 90-something years, right? That's probably a really precious moment when Ishmael is born to him. And for 13 years, he's investing in something that God didn't tell him to do. Abraham invested into something that wasn't God's plan. And I'm not trying to suggest that Ishmael was a waste of time. Um, bad things happened with Ishmael, but I'm sure that Abraham learned something about being a good dad with Ishmael. I'm sure something good came out of this, this birthing of Ishmael, but I just can't get past the idea of this gut-wrenching thought that must have hit Abraham when Sarah said, oh, hey, by the way, I'm pregnant, of him thinking, Oh no, I just made a 13 year mistake. I just invested everything for 13 years and then realized I wasn't supposed to invest in that. That's a painful thought, that's frustrating. This is why we talk about this topic, uh, or sorry, the, the concept of, you know, find out whatever God is doing in your generation and pour everything you have into it. Don't find out what you want to do in your lifetime. Find out what God is doing on the planet in your lifetime and then invest everything into it. Because what would be the benefit of pouring yourself into something else? To me, it's the idea of Ishmael. Like, why would I try to conceive an Ishmael if God is saying, hey, wait for Isaac? We have to see the target, but it's so, there's so much more to it. Like, to get to heaven... And again, for God to say, like, Sam, what were you doing? I wasn't on that. I was moving over here, and you were moving this way. I would just die a thousand deaths to find out my whole life had been investing into Ishmael's. That's terrible. That's terrifying. I want to talk to you about the pace of grace. There's a verse, I don't have a slide for it, but uh, Luke 2.52 says this, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor. Three things, and he did all three of those things with God and man. And I, when I'm thinking about some of these God targets that the Lord has painted for us corporately, but also God targets that he's painting for you as an individual over your personal life. We have to understand that some targets, if we were to, if we were to arrive at that target too early, it would actually destroy us if we didn't first grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. If Jesus had to grow in wisdom and favor and stature with God and man, like, we probably have to also. 
I love you guys, but I don't, I don't see a perfect person in the room other than Amy Langley, okay? That, she's the only one. Yeah. I had this thought today, uh, and it was troubling, but I think it's true. I, let, let's put it, think about seven-year-old Jesus. I don't think seven-year-old Jesus was ready to be crucified for humanity. Because first he had to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with both God and man. There was something that he was, the target he was not ready for at seven or 10 or 20 or 30, but it was perfect timing at 33, which tells me he had grown enough in wisdom and stature and favor with both God and man. This is why the pace of grace is important. Like our goal is not to do things for God, but to do things with God. And there's a massive difference. We talk about this idea of hitting the target and we, we toss around the idea of following the cloud. We say this a lot at, um, with our team and with the planning and the things that we feel like God wants to do at reunion. We will follow the cloud. And we know what that means, but sometimes I just wanna make sure that we're not getting lost in jargon and verbiage and explain that. So with, with ancient Israel, God actually showed up and manifested by day as a cloud, a real cloud, a glory cloud that actually led Israel. And at night he would show up as fire, as real fire, not a picture of fire or a, an image of fire. It was actual fire, that warmth and heat would come off and sound, you could hear the burning. It was actual and he showed up in these ways. And what would happen is when the cloud or the fire would move, Israel would say, we have to follow the cloud. And so they would get up and move. And when the cloud stopped, they would stop. The thing about ancient Israel, they made a lot of mistakes, but one thing that you never really read about is um, if the cloud's moving, nobody in ancient Israel would run way ahead of the cloud. The cloud actually led them by day, meaning they were behind it. They followed the cloud. And same thing by night. No one, if the, if the cloud stopped, people stopped. If the cloud moved, Israel didn't just stay there. They knew we have to be close to God. So to us, this is that mindset of moving at the pace of grace. It would be foolish to run ahead of him. It would be equally foolish to not move when he moves. So when we're talking about some of these God targets that God has painted for our church, um, I want to remind you, these are not our targets. They're his targets. We get to co-labor with him and make his goals our goals and his targets our, our targets. Um, we've said this already, but I want to overstate, overstate it. He wants you to co-labor. He won't co-labor for you. And he wants it individually. I can't co-labor for Gary as much as I love him. I, I just can't. That's not my place. This is what the Lord told me this week about waiting and co-laboring and all these targets and what is even happening, Lord. He said, in the waiting, faith obtains more oil. Faith obtains more oil. If you're in a waiting season, you see the target, you've aimed, you're trying to move, but the Lord is saying, not yet, just, just wait. Go get some oil. And listen, this is, I'm gonna get real with you guys for a minute, but sitting around and playing video games is not waiting on the Lord, okay? 
and, and nothing against video games. If you play video games, have fun. But we can't just say, like, I'm not going to do anything. God better just show up and do what he promised me. That's actually mocking the Lord and, and thinking that he's going to do the work for us when, when we're actually called to build and equip and to work. Faith is actually getting oil before the bridegroom cr- comes. Faith is getting oil and stewarding your lamp before there is any sign of the promise showing up. Faith gets more oil in the waiting, in the mystery, when things don't make sense, when there's mocking, when there's laughter, when people are pointing fingers at you. And in future weeks, um, I think in a few weeks I get, I get you guys again, um, we're going to talk about the difference between faith and wishing. Faith is not wishing. Faith is a gift. That means it's given to you. You cannot create faith. It's absolutely a supernatural thing given to you by the Lord. Wishing, that's all you, baby. You get to wish. There is a difference between faith and wishing. There is a difference between God targets and man targets. And listen, God does not fulfill our wishes, our dreams, and our visions. He fulfills his. And so it makes a whole lot of sense for us to get on his page Right? When we gather, we don't ask him to come bless what, what we're doing at reunion. We come and we bless what he's doing at reunion. So I guess the point is our job is not to make our prophetic destinies happen. We can't do that. These, these targets, their callings and their destinies from the Lord, he makes a way, not us. You will co-labor with him. But he, he sets things up so that we have to co-labor and that you co-labor in faith. When I was growing up, my pastor, man, he had so much wisdom. I love this guy. Stephen Chitty, C-H, at the beginning of that last name. Stephen Chitty. He, he makes a joke out of it, so I can make a joke out of it. He said this, uh, God will often kill our dream before we're allowed to walk in it. Let me put an emphasis on one of the words in that sentence. God will usually kill our dream before we're allowed to walk in it. And at first, I didn't like that. You know, I thought about that for years. But the older I get, the more I see how true that is. And and I'll explain to that. I'll explain that. Whether we're talking biblically or historically, over and over and over, people's dreams died before they walked in it. And let me explain to you. God is a supernatural God, right? Everything about him is supernatural. If it's not supernatural ministry, what kind of ministry is it? right? God is supernatural. That means when God gives us a God target, it's supernatural. It's from him. It's divine. It's from the throne room. Therefore, if he gives supernatural targets, he has to kill them in the natural. He has to rid them from natural life. He has to rid them of natural hope. And he has to breathe on them supernatural life. And the reason why is that is this again biblically historically if the target can be hit naturally we will try to take credit for it god loves it when people look at you and say it had to have been god because i know that guy and he's not good enough to do that or it had to be god who did that because i know the natural situation god loves doing that's his mo that's that's how he operates 
Think about all of the people biblically. We don't have time to go through them, but you, again, take some homework with you. Go think about all the people biblically whose dreams actually died before they got to walk in it, okay? First one I've already mentioned, Abram. Too old to have kids. They were done. Barren. Their bodies, at least as far as childbirth, had died. And yet, supernatural life was breathed onto them. Even when the promise came with Isaac, God actually still required Abraham to kill his son. And this is a huge, meta, uh, not meta, a prophetic picture of Jesus when, when he takes Isaac up the mountain and this ram is caught in the thickets. It's, it's actually a picture of Jesus who, who sacrificed himself for our sins, right? He was the, the lamb who was slain for us. Think about Moses, right? where literally all of the nation of Israel did die before entering the promised land except for a couple guys. Literally, the entire nation died before they got to walk in the promise, in the physical. That's wild to me. And it was because of disobedience. This is, this is the tragedy, is that God, man, he, is, he has so much more time than we do, <laughs> so much more patience than we do. I can never remember the number, but I think it was supposed to take Israel like four months to get to the promised land or something. And yet it took them 40 years because of their disobedience. And what, how I interpret that is their obedience and their heart could have got them into the promised land a whole lot earlier. Wow. Think about Joseph, right? Joseph was beaten and sold into slavery before he came, became the highest ruler in the land, second only to Pharaoh. Think about Paul, who had this target, this promise given by God to get to Jerusalem, and yet the beatings, the shipwrecks, the, the snake bites, the things that he had to go through. Like, these dreams seemingly died. All hope was lost, and yet God. God would breathe on these things. Here's the best one. Jesus literally died to walk in the promise. Here's another one. You actually died to walk in new life. Over and over and over, God required that the natural dream die as part of the faith journey. It's, it's all over scripture. Nehemiah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Like they were dead, man. The guy leading them into the fire was dead. And yet, God supernaturally did it. No one could say looking at these three guys and then Jesus or a fourth man appears in the fire, no one could say in the natural, well, I could see how that's possible, right? It was absolutely God breathed. The natural was no longer an option. Daniel, Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. Do you know how scary that thought is to me? Like, man, shoot me or I don't know, chop my head up, do something, but don't throw me in a lion's den, man. That is gnarly. No, thank you. And again, this is where we have to believe against belief. We have to hope against hope that where God sends, God provides. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth, hero number one for me, said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's all I care about. If God says it, I'm all in. Okay, let's wrap this thing up. What I found since January 9th where when I started part one of this series. And I would really encourage you, um, either go to our Vimeo page or go on to anywhere that we have podcasts, um, find Reunion Hawaii, listen to the podcast or watch the talks from January 9th and 16th, watch them all. Like I don't wanna just, like Tori and Paula have had epic Woo! messages yep. since then. But if you get the chance, go listen to January 9th and January 16th. 
Because when I said some of the things I said, a lot of people were very surprised. Said I've never heard anyone speak that boldly from the platform about things that you you just don't know about. And what I, I found since then, over the past few weeks, is that some people have moved into a fence because they grossly misunderstood what was being said. And things like, oh, Sam wants reunions worship to be the best worship in Hawaii. No, that's not what I want at all, right? That's literally what I'm fighting against. It's literally that way of thinking that we are rebelling against the carnal mind and moving into kingdom thinking. Because uh, I was talking to this with some of our leaders last night. If I want to be the best, that means I want someone else to not be the best. If I want to be number one, that means I want to push someone down to number two. I don't want anybody to be number two. I, I love every church in this state. I love every church on this planet. And I want, like we're meeting at C4. I want C4 to have the absolute best worship that they can have. God doesn't look at our worship and C4 worship and is like making pros and cons as to whose is better, right? I don't want to be the best because that means I want someone else to be less than us. That's, that's not kingdom. It's literally anti-kingdom and anti-unity in mindset, and it runs counter to all the things that we're standing for. I don't want to be the best. I just want reunion to be fully who God's asked us to be. And I just want to hit God targets. It's never, I don't think God ever thinks about best versus not best thinking. I think that's ugly because the kingdom, in the kingdom, you don't compete. You, you build and encourage and you raise up and you hold hands and you go together. Like we're all one body. Why would my finger compete with my toe? That's the dumbest thought ever. It's one of the dumber thoughts I've had today. <laughs> so the idea is not to be the best. The idea is being excellent at what he's called us to be. And I can get to heaven and not be the best and God still embrace me. But if I get to heaven and he's like, man, what were you doing? That's not what I asked you to do. I'll actually lose reward. And my sound, like I'm just using worship as an example because I think we have the best. Uh, just kidding. Maybe I'm kidding. I don't know. He, he's not holding me responsible for anybody else's call. He's not holding you responsible for anybody else's call. He's holding us responsible for our call. And we will move in excellence towards those things. He's worthy of it. And I think that we have to understand that faith and kingdom, living in the kingdom means that our destiny is not contained by someone else's history. Um, what happened in somebody else's situation actually has nothing to do with our situation. And we're, we're not different, or sorry, we're not better than anybody else, but we are different from everybody else. Like you're not, like I look at Shane, Shane's awesome. But I don't think Shane is better than, I don't know, Gary. Like, they're both awesome. But they are different. And they have different calls. And so that's how it is with every church. That's how it is with every person. This isn't a pride or a superiority trip that we've been taking this past month. It's, hey, guys, look at the standard that God's calling us to. Look at the promises that he has spoken over you, over me, over this house. We cannot put our eyes on someone else to think, well, they're doing it this way and we're already better than that. That's not looking at the target. That's competition. A huge part of our destiny 
is us walking and hitting, walking toward and hitting the God target in our lives. I really believe, I really believe that God is going to use us and make an example of us. He's going to use this as a model in a whole lot of ways. Um, there are some amazing promises that we've talked about over the past few weeks, but with those promises come a whole lot of requirements and expectancies and commitment levels, right? I mean, Jesus said, Luke 12, 48, from everyone who has been given much, much will be required, and from whom is entrusted much, they will ask for the more. So hitting the target, here we are, how do we hit this? We've seen it, we have identified it, we're aiming at it, now we have to hit it. Well, when, the, when I shared those promises that the Lord spoke over reunion, promises he spoke over you because you're the church, I, I tried to be very clear that none of those things were the goal. We only have one goal. We only have one prize. We only have one reward, and his name is Jesus. And the minute that we start to try to make things the goal, it, it, it gets dangerous because we can get things. We can accomplish things. And then all of a sudden, what do we do? But if we make him the goal, if we make a person the goal, the relationship can always get deeper. There's always more of him. So when he gives us byproducts and he gives us promises to pray into them, he wants us to agree with him and co-labor. And so starting this month, starting in February of 2022, we're going to have uh, church-wide prayer points and fasting. And I can't do any of those things for you. You can't do them for me. There's actually a responsibility. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to start. I'm going to show you guys some big umbrellas, let's call them. These big umbrellas are actually what all those promises that I spoke about a few weeks ago, that's, these are the umbrellas that all of those things fall under. And yes, please keep praying for those things that we mentioned a while back, but these are actually the bigger targets. If we hit these targets, all those things will come. This is your opportunity to be the church. We've talked about this. We don't do church. We are the church. You are the church. We will co-labor with the Lord. And nobody can be the church for us. You get to be the church. You get to take ownership. You get responsibility. And we're going to give you some opportunities to embrace. So... Without further ado, can we put on the screen, these are some church-wide prayer points that we are going to walk out. I know the font is small, but I can only write so much. We'll make these available to you guys on social media. Um, we'll try to, I don't know how else we'll get them to you. Natalia will work some magic. But I, I have 10 prayer points. And then at the bottom, you see bottom right, it says, I will pray for these things blank times per day or per week, you can choose. And I will fast over these things blank times per day, per week, per month. We're not going to put any expectation on you. We're not going to tell you what to do. You're his sheep and you hear his voice. Why don't you ask him how often you're supposed to pray about these things? Here's the thing about prayer. And we'll go over these prayer points in just a minute. Prayer is probably, prayer and scripture, like reading your Bible. These are probably the two things where Christians actually leave rest and enter striving the most in. Too many people think that the more pages they read of their Bible every day, the holier they are, or the more pleased God is. And too many people think that the longer they pray, the happier God gets. We know that's actually not kingdom thinking. That's trying to earn. And there is no earning in the kingdom. There is work, but there's no earning. 
So let me show you some of these big umbrellas that actually uh, lead us to the targets that God is painting over our church. Um, the first one is ever-increasing measures of his presence at reunion. This is number one. He's the goal. He's the reward. We don't just say that. I don't know if you guys know this, but every week at reunion, we have somebody who's called a glory pastor. We assign somebody on staff the role, and their only job, their only role for the whole night is following the cloud. Their whole role is to be fully aware and apparent of what God is doing in the room right now. And the reason why we do that is so if the worship team is leading and they're like, I don't know if God wants us to sing another song, if he wants us to stop, what should we do? They can actually look to this person and say like, do we keep going? Do we stop? And they're hearing from the Lord. They should be aware of what he's doing in the room. And it's like a safety net. I can look at the glory pastor and say like, am I done? Should I keep going? And they should be able to hear from the Lord and tell me like, no, keep going or hey, stop. Everything we do is about his presence. That's number one for us. And we don't want just like a hint of it. We want the whole shebang. If he has more for us, the answer is yes. We want his unmistakable, overwhelming presence where believers and unbelievers encounter it. They cannot deny, I don't, like even if people say, I don't believe in God, but when I walked in the room, something was happening. We want his presence overflowing through us and onto others. The next one, increased measure of glory on you, on me, on this church, we want tangible glory. The kabod of God, the Bible says. An environment that he is attracted to. He will rest on things that he doesn't inhabit. We want his habitation, right? Where, where he actually comes and he answers our cry of show us your face. Show us your face, Lord. The next umbrella is life to the full. Life and life to the full is how Jesus described it, life abundant. The expectation in the kingdom is divine health and divine wholeness, physically, spiritually, emotionally, abundance and overflow, guidance, wisdom, and faith. If, if it's in the kingdom, if it's in heaven, it's, we get to bring it to earth. That's the Lord's prayer. One of the things that we're gonna be praying for is more of a kingdom culture. We want his kingdom to come and his will to be done right here at Reunion as it is in heaven where God reveals and demonstrates himself through us where he, we're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. We're asking the Lord for a massive generational impact. We're asking for good fruit, right? He's handing us acorns and saying, will you, will you store this acorn? We believe that our great-great-grandchildren will reap the harvest of the seeds that we plant today. This meeting right here will have an impact for four generations down the line. We are believing for abundance and supply in finances, in facilities, in staff, in being the lender and not the borrower, able to invest in other churches and ministry, in ministries and having a culture of extravagant generosity. I want people, I want church leaders, I want pastors from across Hawaii to say, those guys bailed us out when we went bankrupt. They gave us hundreds of thousands of dollars to save our ship. That's the kingdom. If my toe is dying, it's foolish for my finger to not help it. We're praying for influence and for us to be an oasis where we get to build and equip the entire bride. And you know, this is... Kingdom living is not under the umbrella of reunion. Obviously, there's a lot of crossover, and we consider these two ministries married to each other. But honestly, like kingdom living is one of the ways that we build and equip the bride of Christ. 
We are praying to be a city set on a hill to believers and unbelievers, to be a model to others with our mindsets, our heartbeat, our systems and structures, our priorities, our generosity, our stewardship, and our unity. Listen, Gary gets a lot of texts and a lot of uh, messages from other pastors within our denomination saying, how do you do this? Can I come, what's the secret sauce? Give us the structure, give us the formula. We're praying for salvations in observable, visible, distinct, unmistakable outbreak, outbreaks of salvation. Uh, one of the things the Lord has promised us is that a lot of it's gonna come with biz, within the business community and with young people, high schoolers, college age students, uh, and for favor and impact with pre-believers. That again, we've talked about like West Side, like huge portions of the West Side getting saved. Um, we're praying for more diversity and I'm just gonna tell you, this might make some of you angry, I don't care about your nationality. I, I really don't. I'll celebrate whatever your culture is, but I honestly don't care. When we talk about diversity, we're talking about diversity of gifting and anointing and passions and spheres of influence. Listen, I want us to look like Jesus. That's what I want us to look like. My culture is kingdom culture before any other culture. That's who we are. We're praying for blessing and increase uh, the favor for favor with God and man. If Jesus needed it, we need it. Spiritual and physical growth, an overflow of God's goodness, loving kindness, supply, presence, and bearing of fruit in every season because you are an oak of righteousness planted by waters where you bear your fruit in season and out. We're praying for facilities that God will provide more than enough, an abundance of space given without cost, where heads of state even underwrite portions of it, where we're able to host school conferences and gatherings. Now listen to me, does this stir anybody else in the room? Does this make you excited about what God is doing? Okay, then you get to come into agreement with the Lord. You actually get to give him your yes. And you get to tell him, or you get to ask him, Lord, how often am I gonna pray for these things? How often will I co-labor with you? And again, don't move into striving, praying every hour on the hour for the rest of your life. He might not be asking that of you. Why would you do something he's not asking you to do? Okay, get out of the striving mindset, get into the obedience mindset. So what we're gonna do, let me check my notes so I don't mess this up. This is gonna be made public for everybody, so don't worry if you didn't get a picture. We'll make it nice and pretty on social media. We're gonna give you guys five to 10 minutes here in just a second to actually ask the Lord about some of these things and then to start asking the Lord about the targets that he's putting on your life. These are the targets of our house. These are the targets of our family with reunion. But do you, actually, do you know the targets that he's put on you individually? This is corporate, but what's the individual? So, here are some things. Does everybody have that piece of paper you were handed when you came in tonight? If you don't have it, can you raise your hand if you need one? Oh, we need a whole bunch. Can someone like grab Carter or run to the hallway and get some of these? And if you and maybe grab some pens for those who don't have it. We're gonna write down some things from this list because I think that when when yeah if, if your hand is raised, keep it up. And we'll get you pens and these handouts. I want you to look at that slide. 
And I really believe that as I was going through it, certain things were jumping out to certain people. Like certain things grabbed your heart. I want you to write those things down on your paper. Write them small, because I'm going to have you write several things on there. And I want you to make these your priorities. I want you to make, take responsibility and say, I will make this my priority when I pray for reunion and what God's doing here. I think that the Lord will often highlight things that you're anointed to do. I think he'll highlight things that you're anointed to yearn for and long for. And then what we're going to do is all at the same time. So just take a look at this, see what jumps out at you and start writing those things down. Then I want you to start asking the Lord some questions. And sorry, I don't have a slide for this, but you can remember it's, it's the overall gist of it. Um, what is God asking you to join in on from that list? I know what you're going to pray for, but what are you going to join in on? What is he actually challenging? And you listen, I can't tell you. You actually have to ask him and listen to his voice. Is he asking you to serve at church or work for his vision? Is he speaking to you about your giving? Is he asking you to place something on the altar of sacrifice? What is he putting his finger on and asking you to surrender or move into? Who is he asking you to invite, right? Like, we're really coming at this this month, again, not because, like, I don't care if there's one of us or a million of us. If he's here, we're happy. But if he's good, how could we not share that with others? If he's moving, if he's doing things, I have to give that away. So we're gonna put on some music, and I just want you guys to think about that. What's jumping out to you? What do you feel like you're supposed to get involved in? What are you supposed to steward from this? And then just write down any random thoughts. If he starts talking to you, write it down. Like he may interrupt your train of thought to talk to you about other things, write it down. And then in about five or 10 minutes, we're gonna close up and um, I'll do one more thing with you guys. So let's put on some music. Okay, start wrapping up whatever you're writing. Again, you can take this with you. You're keeping that, we're not. That's for you, not for us. And I, I just wanna encourage you guys, this is why it's important to hear his voice. Like, if you write something that's your voice, like I said, he, he doesn't really, he's, he's not here to honor your wishes and your hopes and your vision. He's here to honor his. And I think that the more we just press into that and trust him, that he's gonna open worlds to us. So we're gonna do one more thing and then we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna call up the ministry team and we'll have ministry if people want any prayer or anything. Uh, I really felt like I just needed to stress one more thing is that talk is cheap and everyone loves these rah-rah vision talks um, and, and don't get caught up in the rah-rah. Get caught up in the, the promise and the promise maker. We're going to actually pull on the anointing and the promises that have been spoken over us this year and moving forward and we're going to speak what he speaks. And we're going to do what he does. And listen, that's risky. There's, a, there's actually risk involved with that because it, it, it means accountability. And we're going to do something as a church. We're going to start it this week. You can keep going as long as you want to. But we're actually going to make ourselves accountable to others by letting others know what he's speaking over us. So you have homework this week. 
you have to actually have intentional time and start asking for God targets on your life, on your life. What is the God target on your personal life? You have to listen to his voice. And again, what, why do you need an excuse not to, right? Like if he's got something for you, go all in, dive in 110%, what's more important, right? And then you're actually gonna take the step of accountability this week. You're gonna keep the step of, you're gonna take the step of faith and not keep this to yourself. And by not keeping it to yourself, you're actually planting a seed of faith. And you're taking an opportunity to keep yourself accountable to others. So let me explain. Put this next slide up here. You will see this on the Kingdom Living, or sorry, the Reunion uh, social media pages either tonight or tomorrow morning. You're actually going to write God targets and post them on social media. So step one is you actually have to ask the Lord what he's dreaming over you. You have to seek his heart for your life, his vision, his dreams over you. Step two, and you'll see this slide in a minute. We're going to make a slide, or we've already made a slide. You get to take a screenshot of it, and then you repost it in your stories and write down your answer about what he says the target in your life is. So if he says, I don't know, Robin, your target is you're going to become a garbage woman. That's your new target on your life. She will take a screenshot of the next slide and write, I will be a garbage woman, a garbage truck driver, right? And so once you take a screenshot and you kind of write your thing on it, then just repost it in your stories. It, this isn't a competition. The biggest dream doesn't win. Um, but I do think the obedience wins. And I do think that listening to his voice will put you a step closer. And listen, some of you, this is no problem. You're like, I do that on my social media all the time anyways. Some of you, this is very vulnerable and this is very personal. And I'm telling you, God honors that. But I also firmly believe that as a church, as a family, God is asking us to take risks of accountability, steps and seeds of faith. So put up that next slide. So starting within the next 24 hours, just go to the Reunion Hawaii social media uh, Instagram page and we'll have a story highlight. Uh, it'll be in our stories, but only for 24 hours and then it will be in our highlights. This is what you take a screenshot of and then when you go to repost it, start writing some of your God dreams. This is you saying, I believe what he says about me. I will walk in what he's telling me to do. I will say what he says, go where he goes. Does that make sense? This is, this is, it seems small, but I'm telling you, acorns are small, but they have an entire forest within them. These are acorns right here. We will steward this thing. Future generations need us. They're depending on us to hit the target. Your great, great, great grandkids are depending on the seeds and the fruit of our faith. I'll do anything for God. I'll go to Africa. They're, they're not depending on you going to Africa. They're, they're, they're depending on you saying yes to him a hundred times tomorrow. The reality is that God will provide for us a home. He will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He will heal and save us. He will make us an oasis and a secret place for others. He will bring us the desires of our heart based on Psalm 34. He will bless and provide for us. He will use the foolish things to shame the wise. And he will bring heaven to earth through us. So you guys stand up and I would love if the ministry team 
would make your way up to the front here. We'll have some ministry time. I will dismiss us officially, but we will keep the front open uh, if anyone wants to come receive prayer. Um, and Shane, can you actually come up here now? Uh, I want Shane to kind of explain that. Let me just pray over us, I'll dismiss us, and then Shane will instruct us on what that ministry time looks like. So Father, thank you for this beloved house. Thank you for your beloveds. Thank you for this blessed house. Thank you for the heart. Thank you for the God dreams that you are showing us, the God targets that you're giving us. If they are God targets, they are good targets. If they are God targets, they are worth diving in 100% for. So I bless you, Jesus, for stirring hope, because you're the hope of the nations, for stirring faith, for giving us longevity, for giving us fires that won't fade out, and for your yes that we get to say amen to. We bless your name, amen. For more teaching like this, subscribe to this podcast. If you would like more information about Reunion Hawaii Church, our website is reunionhawaii.com. If you're in Honolulu, join us Sundays at 5, live at Kahalama. Aloha.